Hello, beautifuls. Welcome to Her Sexual Space, a podcast where we create a sex-positive space to engage in empowering discussions for building relational and sexual awareness. Today's guest is Janelle King. Janelle King is a registered nurse, writer, and blogger. She holds a bachelor's degree in nursing and a master's degree in public health. She has written articles for Sisters from AARP, The Body, The HIV AIDS Resource, blogs, among many others. She has been featured on the Femme Focus podcast, Be Well Sis, and the UNI podcast. In her spare time, you can find her writing about reproductive health and wellness on her blog, The Nurse Notes. Welcome to the podcast, Janelle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but you are the nurse I wish I had as I was developing into my womanhood. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> For real, because I remember looking back at my experience. And I, I don't think I really went into, um, I didn't see like a gynecologist, not until I was maybe what was it maybe 19 18 19 right 20 yeah. 21 that's around the time i be i started becoming more sexually active and i remember there was one time um i i believe i had um bacteria va- vaginosis is that mm-hmm. what it is yeah and i felt so much shame for that and one of the things i keep remembering coming into my adulthood was that nurse we were talking about you know so i started asking questions about you know just um, vaginal health and um i think i was asking about just vaginal behavior like what you know if certain things are normal and i remember i'd ask about um certain amount of discharges and i remember she saying something about um like almost like your vagina is supposed to be dry Mm. and between your period, like during your period is the only time you should feel any type of wetness or whatever natural, you know, because (laughs) there's blood (laughs) coming out of your body. And I grew up into, I I grew into my adulthood believing like there was something wrong with me. And I remember even when I started on purpose, having, you know, trying to have a baby, um, even when I was ovulating, I started to realize that, yeah, I, I found that I had this egg whites type of discharge yeah. and we started, I started investigating even more into that. I'm like, some of this is normal, but yeah. I was made to believe that, oh. <laughs> you know, which should just be dry, oh, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's such a disservice to like young women when, you know, exactly. you hear things like that just because I'm like, that's just not true, right? So... It, 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 and it has a great effect on, like like you said, like just how you grow up and your some of the beliefs you have about your vagina and sexual health in general. So, oh, I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> so when I came across your page, I was like, wow, there's a nurse who is, you know, presenting this in a more sex-positive, pleasure-focused way. And I like the information on your blog. And if our listeners have not checked out your blog, the nurse note is, it's an amazing resource. And I recommend it. Um, to my friends, I believe it is just it, you cover everything. You have everything on there from period cups to orgasms to <laughs> um, vagina shapes. It's just a one-stop shop for everything that we didn't get exact. We didn't get from our some of our providers, you know. Yeah. And I, I feel yeah. like it's you know, it's the Caribbean. It seems like. Um, just a lot of a lot of this has been wrapped up in shame and yeah. um we did not get 
just the information, some of the information I felt like we needed um, as we were growing into our adulthood and as we were becoming more sexually active because, of yeah. course, abstinence is preached. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> and, and although it is only a certain pop, a certain part of the population who's going to really adhere to that, it is still heavily, heavily preached. You know, abstinence. Yeah. Um, yeah. They talk about, um, you know, pregnancy and um, sexual violence. Those are the things that were really highlighted when it came to sex. Yeah. And it still so, is in some, some parts of the country, right? So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Finding You was just a gem. And before, I know we just jumped right into it, but before we go any further, I'd like to ask to you, you know, how do you identify in the world? And if you could tell us a little bit about your background. I would... Uh... She, her pronouns. I am a heterosexual female and relationship style. I'm monogamous. I've been married for, gosh, 10, 10 years. Time goes wow. by. Yeah. I'm coming so right up there with my, you. <laughs> in terms of my background, I'm actually, I was born in Canada, but I am of uh, Caribbean descent. So my parents are Jamaican. So I grew up in a household with a lot of, you know, Caribbean values in terms of, you know, education is preached. Um, excelling or being good at something is preached um health in general was talked about but not so much about reproductive and sexual health and so um we got the basics my mom presented the basics about you know how a baby is made and this is what a period is but nothing nothing more you know so we didn't discuss like like you were mentioning earlier like vaginal discharge or um some of those stis or infections or just pleasure in general like we just that was those conversations were not had with my mom which you know she's from that generation she's that's the way that she was raised um she did present the basic facts but that was about it so i got the basic facts about sex and sexuality but the rest i kind of had to fill in the blank you know i have an older sister so we would have discussion and friends as most most young women do and like you i think i got a bunch of it from my older sister like i learned so much because and, and even if we did not live in the same household it was such a blessing to me because everything I knew about men and yeah, right. <laughs> just health, it was, it was from her. So I, I bet that must have been a really good outlet for you. Yes. And I have older cousins too. And so they, they taught, they taught us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just like that we can just openly have those discussions with our peers and, and cousins, um, and I like it, but I think our parents really do us a disservice by not, especially if for girls, right? Yeah. You know, and for boys too. But I feel yeah. like there is so much mystery. There is so much that we we kind of sit with. Um, yeah. And I, we just don't have the answers. Like right. <laughs> and I agree. I agree. To, like in like it can't be much mystery. You just. I don't even know what I didn't know. And then the fact that um, some of the information, you know, appears, they give you wrong, wrong information because they don't know themselves. Right. So I think that and it's something I try trying to do myself, just normalizing those conversations. It um, removes the mystery around vaginal sexual health. It normalizes everything so that, you know, we can have a discussion about it. We can figure out stuff together and um, you can get the correct answers so that you're informed going into, you know, relationships and growing into teen and your young adulthood. So that's what I'm trying to aspire to do, I should say, with my daughter. And you are doing an amazing job. So (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so tell us, how did you get onto this path? So where did it all begin for you? Oh my goodness, this is the most twisted path ever. So like I said, I'm from Canada. So what my initial degree was actually in kinesiology. I didn't my degree in kinesiology. I thought I was going to work at the front um, office of some big NBA um team or club that, that, those were, that was my my dream but you know it didn't turn out that way so after graduation I actually um, got a I moved back home and I got a job and I was working in community health I started working in the community health department just doing uh, a program that was actually in the schools and just teaching about education and physical education I really enjoyed what I was doing I enjoyed the teaching aspect and I decided to go back to school for a master's in public health around that area, health education. So, you know, I did that for the two years and ended up getting a job eventually at the state health department where I was there for about eight years. And I got to do a lot of health education. Um, I did a lot of um, stroke prevention, um, heart disease. I think I did maternal and child health at one point. And I liked what I did. I thought what I did was important and educating the masses, but I just missed, you know, one-on-one interactions that you get with people when you're providing health education. So, so at that point, eight years in, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back to school and become a nurse. Yeah, no problem. We're going to do this. And so at that time, I didn't, there weren't the accelerated programs like there are now. So I decided that the quickest route for me to, was to get in an associate's degree in nursing. So I went back to the community college and did an associate's degree in nursing. And I must say that was like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I was working full time and going to school full time and just going through the clinicals. It was a difficult but you know eventually I made it out and passed passed my NCLEX and became a registered nurse and I started working at um, one of the pediatric hospitals in um, Ohio and one of the best pediatric hospitals I think in the nation and so um, I eventually ended up working in um, teen and reproductive health so I worked in a teen clinic and I also worked in adolescent medicine and this is where I was taught and I learned about you know sexual behavior sexual health birth control um, STI and I you know provided counseling for birth controls and STI counseling Um, and so what I found when doing that was that there was a lot of misconception or just misinformation about you know birth controls or sex or sexually transmitted infections. And and so um, I kind of used that uh, as a platform, like, well, if all of these young women, and it was young women up to the age of 22 that I was providing the education to, if these young women are having these issues or, you know, have these questions and they're coming to me, how many other women out there may have these same questions and don't have anyone to turn to? So that's kind of when I decided to start my blog, The Nurse Note, and just provide the information that I was getting on a daily basis in uh, kind of a fun a beat kind of way, providing factual information, but still um, in a fun and lighthearted way. I love that. And and my next uh, question was what was going to be about, um, you know, how you got into the blog, you know, and Coochie Convo. So it sounds like just your work um, that kind of inspired you to, to reach more people, right? To get that right. information out there. Exactly. And then once people found out that I was working in this area, like, friends or, you know, co-workers or just peers, they would come to me and ask me these questions. I guess I was approachable in that manner. And so, you know, I would provide them with the information that they needed. And then my husband is actually the one, and I always give him credit for coining the term coochie combos. Like, that's what you should call it. That's what it is. So and those are the platforms that I just try to um, 
disseminating information about a certain topic. So it could be about birth control, it could be about just like vaginal health, um, hygiene, anything that pertains to women and reproductive and sexual health. I just talk about it and just answer the questions that I'm kind of asked on either like through email or DMs. And I just put it on a, a bigger platform so that more women can get the, the information as well. Well, thank you for doing that. I've checked them out, and there is, it's, I love what you're doing. You're, it's, it's needed, right? It's, it's needed, <laughs> and you know, no matter, it's just information that's gonna, you know, they call them, um, can't remember the name right now, but it's information that people will always need. So yeah, yeah, yeah. evergreen so, information. Yeah, yes, evergreen. <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about birth control since it seems as if that was an area where um, you kind of built, you know, somewhat of your expertise. Um, So one of the things I see in my work, so I work with um, teens as well. Um, I see a lot of young ladies um, from 16 and up. And um, one of the things that when I do my assessment, I always ask about birth control. Um, what are you using? How did you make that decision? How much do you know about what you're using? Because I am aware that it really changes the chemistry of the body. It can right. affect things. Right. So when they come in for mood disorders, I try to make sure I am evaluating what else could be going on? Mm-hmm. What else, you know, that we're, we're not taking into consideration. And I always recommend getting an evaluation, having mom maybe take the teen um, to, to just compare what they're using, you know. Right. And one of the things I've come to learn more about is hormonal versus non-hormonal mm-hmm. birth control. Mm-hmm. Is that something you can tell us a little bit more about and how you encourage yeah. them in making those decisions? Yeah, and so... Um, hormonal birth controls, you're absolutely right. They change the chemistry of the body. So, you know, the hormonal birth controls include things like estrogen and progesterone, depending on which one you um, are prescribed. And um, they work by preventing ovaries from releasing egg, or they thicken the cervical mucus to prevent sperms from reaching the egg, or they thin the, the lining of the uterus to prevent implantation. They all work in different methods. So examples would be like the birth control pill or the um, hormonal IUD, or one of the pills, patches, rings, something of that sort. Whereas the non-hormonals, they um, work to prevent pregnancy without changing the balance of the hormones in the body. So um, examples of those, there are different barrier methods like the um, internal condom or the female condom, quote unquote, or the um, external condom, which is the male condom. They also have um, a non-hormonal IUD or um, spermicides or sponges, something of that sort. So they work, um, try to, um, they work by preventing um, pregnancy without changing the hormones. Yeah. So when you see clients, do you see, you know, like as patients, um, when you worked in that area, uh, how would they normally make that decision? So would they come in with that education or is it, you know, I wonder how did how do how do most people make those decisions? Right. So, so there was two ways. So they would. Some a lot of our patients would come in with a uh, set on getting something like I want birth control pills. Like they knew in their mind that this is what they wanted. And what we would do is we would present uh, a menu option of all of our options, birth control options that they could possibly have in our office. So we're like, okay, we know that you want, you're coming in and you want birth control, but just listen to the other options. So let's present, let me present the other options so that you are well informed and um, that you know that this is what you want to do. And so we would present the different options and we would usually present them from the 
most most effective to least effective um, and we would let them consider things like their lifestyle factor like if you're just a person who doesn't like to take pills or you're going to forget them birth control pills may not be the run, right one for you like it, I know that you're, all your girlfriends may be using this but this may not be the right one for you so we would present you know all the benefits and drawbacks of the different methods um, and some of the lifestyle factors that they should take in consideration when making their decision and, and then at the end we would allow them to make their decision of course you know depending on their age they would be with, with mom or you know whoever their guardian is to to make that decision so, so most of the some of the times a lot of the times the girls you know who came in with an idea of what they already wanted they would change their mind to something else they're like oh I, I think I would actually prefer this one because this is a lower maintenance for me meaning I don't have to remember to do everything every day and it's just going to work better because you know I'm in cheer and I I do volleyball and I volunteer and I may forget to take my pills so we we just like to to give them the information so they can make a well-informed decision yeah, and I, I think that's that's really good. But what I'm noticing is, so where would they go for that in-depth um, education with regards to just how they go about making the decision? So would this be like a clinic or... Uh, I don't know, family planning? Yeah, so I know that I we I worked in a clinic and this was standard practice for our clinics. Like, this is, you are coming to our clinic and I know that you think you're getting this, but this is how our clinic is set up and this is how we present our information. Now, family planning clinics, I can't speak to how they work. I'm, I'm assuming that they would also present the patient with, you know, the, the variety or the options available there. But for the clinic that I worked in, it was... And there are others across the country that we've kind of modeled our clinic after. Like, this is how they presented the information. Like, you're going to get there, our menu options. And then from there, we're going to sit down and talk about what you think the best one for you would be. Yeah. So I think a lot of people go through, like, their pediatrician or their general practitioner. Is that advisable? It, it can be. And it's it's all... Uh, it's all, you know, like provider specific. So our providers in my clinic, they were teen docs. So this is what they signed up to do. They liked working with women of young adult age. So when they came in the clinic, they know that we know what's going on. We like this population. Um, and then usually if it's through a pediatric practice, there is usually one or two um providers in that group that specialize in teen health like they like to work with teens because not all pediatricians like working with teens that are comfortable discussing birth control options so i would definitely i always advise to you know do your research even though this may be your general practitioner forever are they comfortable giving advice about birth control and if they're not they can certainly make referrals because we've had we had doctors do it all the time we would have pediatricians like they only like babies they don't really like the team they would refer them to us where they would come in and talk to our doctors about their birth control options so i always advise like say hey you know this is what we're thinking are you comfortable doing that and if not you know ask for that referral to somebody who is more comfortable providing that information yeah and that's what i hope they they would do because i i see a lot of clients who say they get you know, they, they get, you know, birth control from the pediatrician or even psych meds. And I'm like, mm. oh, you don't want to see the actual professional responsible for right. prescribing right. these things. Right. <laughs> Always. And then yeah. like, even with our own patients, if it was something that, you know, we just didn't do, do in terms of birth control or something beyond our scope, we would we would make that referral like, hey, we don't do that. But here is somebody who does or here is a clinic that does, you know, make that link for them. Yeah. Well, I hope um, our listeners are hearing. (laughs) 
especially those with daughters, because those are the people that I really try to really speak to. Because um, a lot of what we experience growing up, it's definitely not what we want to repeat. No, um, no. So, so thanks for sharing that. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so like I said, when I grew up, what we got about sex was um, abstinence, mm-hmm. uh, sexual violence, uh, pregnancy prevention. That was the highlight of everything oh, yes. we got. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about how you found that, how you merged all of it, sexual, reproductive health, and pleasure. Because if you look at other, you know, there are some nurses who really focus on just their reproductive health and no one's talking about the pleasure part of it. So if you can just share with me how you came to that point, well, maybe where you became more comfortable sharing openly about all of these things and how did it all come together for you? Yeah, it's, it's you know, still a journey, but, you know, as a nurse, you know, people will come to me with their, usually their nursing issues. So like I have an itch here or this is happening with my vagina. And from those convers- discussions, you know, other things will come up like, well, hey, I, you know, I, I, I don't have any, I'm not wet when I'm, you know, having sex with my partner or whatever. So from that, you know, there's deeper conversations and I, I feel it's my duty to kind of figure out, you know, why that is and present them with the information. So, um, we get people get a lot of the mechanics about the science of how things work, but pleasure is a very important and it's a it's a big part of your sexual health. And so we try to normalize the conversations. I provide the information in a factual way, like I would about any anything, any diabetes or kidney disease. You know, you present the information, um, and then you present the I present the resources. If it's something that I'm not, I don't feel comfortable, or it just that's just not my area of expertise, I will go out of my way to find that person, somebody who does have that expertise, so that they can get the care that they need. So it's just like just like talking about vaginas. It's normalizing the conversation, especially for women, because you know it's kind of still taboo to talk about women and pleasure. So we just try to normalize the conversation and that's what I use my platform for, my blog for, to just give the information that, that's out there. Yeah. Why do you think it's still such a tough conversation though? I think it's, just, you know, there's a lot of, there's the societal factors, you know, women are usually objectified in in a way, you know, there's the, um, like my, for myself, it's like the family history and just not talking about that stuff at all. So there's still a lot of shame and stigma around that. I feel that we're kind of moving beyond that just because of, you know, um, social media and there are so many, I quote unquote, influencers talking about this stuff so that it's becoming more mainstream and it's becoming more common and, and women are embracing their, their sexual their sexuality and their um, learning more about how their bodies work so that it can become a, a normal conversation. Yeah, everything everything you just said there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's, it's, it's getting more mainstream, but I, I still find that there are uh, women who struggle with it. And even with yeah. um, going to the gynecologist, you know, mm-hmm. I have friends who really struggle with, oh, do I see a male gynecologist mm-hmm. or a female? Um, like someone, a friend of mine messaged me recently about vaginal shyness. Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, it can be. Like, I we have had patients come in and talk about issues like, oh, don't judge me because of such and such. And I'm like, look, sweetheart, we, we look at vaginas all day. That's what I think. <laughs> we look at and I'm like, when we're looking, we're not looking to like 
judge. We're looking to see if things are normal or abnormal and yeah. what to, to do for the case. So I'm like, don't ever feel bad about anything. You know, we're just, we're here to help. And I think that usually puts my patients at ease. Cause I'm like, oh, I didn't even like, they're thinking of one thing. I'm like, I'm not even looking at that. I'm trying to figure out like what's going on or, you know, why this is doing this or why this looks like this. So I think letting them know like we, and, and especially at that age group, because we worked with younger, you know, younger women, we're just like, we are, this is a judgment-free zone. We don't judge about anything. We are just trying to gather information. And that's how we present it. It's like it's data. We're gathering information so we can make the best possible decision for your health. And that's what I go in thinking now. But yeah. in the past, I've had those moments where it wasn't comfortable. And even just the idea of getting a pap smear. Yeah. How, can women, how can women become more comfortable with that? Because for me, it took me having two kids. And now I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I've been spread out. I, I, I just come in to do what I need to do. And I just want to get up. Right. I think a part of it is getting comfortable with themselves. So, you know, take the opportunity to kind of, some women, they've never looked down there. They don't know what, what it looks like. So getting like, taking a mirror, looking down there, making sure you kind of know what's going on. You can have, I mean, I tell people like Google it. So you know actually what, what to expect with a pap smear or have your provider like, and my providers usually did this thing, would step you through it. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do next. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to touch your leg here. So to get the more, I guess, comfortable with the process. But I think it just stems from getting more comfortable with your own body. Like you said, like after having two kids and people open you and pry you open and contort your body in different ways, you're kind of just like, yeah, it's whatever at this point. But just getting more comfortable with your own body and your own sexuality, it usually makes um, things like this easier, like pap smears and um, cervical exams a little bit easier. Yeah. And I think it's deeply rooted too. So for mm. parents, especially parents of girls, how can they start building that body positivity and um, creating a more sex positive um, relationship with their daughters? And I mean, fathers too, but yeah. I, I know girls tend to have a different relationship with, with their mothers as they grow up. Yeah, so I think there's two parts to this that I'm, you know, I'm, tr- I, I'm trying to do my best. So just, like I said, normalizing the conversation about sex and sexuality. Like my daughter had a question about, I think she asked me like where the pee comes out. So that I was like perfect learning opportunity. So I, you know, put her on the bed. We got the mirror. You know, I'm li- opening stuff up and I'm showing her. And my husband walks in and he's just like, what is going on in here? He turns around like, this is crazy. So, but just like normalizing those kind of things helps her to become more more um just body positive and learning to like her body and then like for myself I, I tend not to use certain words in our house just because I don't want her to connect you know like like body shame her in any cer- certain way just letting her know like you know you're beautiful or what however you look I'm beautiful with however I look or if she has a question like why does this do to this I just try to answer the question as open and honestly as I can so it's ha- it's having those conversations initially and then continuing those conversations I think will really help and to create more body positive young women yeah and I remember growing up too like you know parents would say things like you know don't don't touch don't touch yourself in a certain way and and I think there are ways to communicate these things without creating the shame around it right you know and I, and I, I talked about that on a podcast a while back and you know, giving kids permission, like, hey, this is something you can do in your room, but you don't right. want to do it 
around other people. It's great that you want to explore yourself. It's great that you want to see what's happening down there because it's part of your body. Yeah, it's an essential part of your body. And I usually use those like I'm, I'm the why mom. I'm like, well, why are you doing that? What are you trying to figure out? Okay, well, let's yeah. let's do it. You know, so I'm like, okay, well, is, is she doing it for this or like, okay, let's unpack this and see kind of what's going on and taking the opportunity to ask her questions and get her more comfortable with talking about it so that she feels comfortable like 10 years from now talking to me about these things so yeah for sure i think you're doing a great job and i think i i want other moms to model that because uh, it seems even like um i was talking to my aunt the other day and she's like even about the periods mm-hmm. um you know their mothers made them feel like you know that was something that you just want to talk about yeah. as your I think at the time they were using cloth mm-hmm. <laughs> cloth pads as your cloth pads um, don't talk to boys right anyway. <laughs> she told me that you're like they told her do not talk to boys yes I <laughs> Once again, another miscommunication. Right. It's if you talk to a boy, yes. I, I, do. I remember those conversations <laughs> myself. So. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that because I think sometimes parents need to hear that these conversations are okay. And you can sit down with your daughter. You can you know, get a mirror, let her see herself, that sort of thing. Give her space, privacy if she wants to explore herself. And I think that's a great place to start when it comes to creating that um, body positivity. Yeah, and it's okay. Like, kids will catch you off guard, so you may not be ready to have that conversation then and there. So it's okay to, you know, table that conversation for a second and go back after, you know, you've collected your thoughts and figured out what you're going to say. It's perfectly okay to say, okay, well, we'll, we're going to talk about that a little later. That's because uh, he does it to me sometimes. I'm like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> like in the, in the grocery store. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So do you, um, like, I know you probably, you've seen moms because they come in with their, their, their mm-hmm. teens. Um, do you sh- do you walk with them through how to have those conversations? Because I know when those things are passed on, it's difficult to just all of a sudden um, change that around. Um, so do, do you guide them on how to start having those conversations? I mean, we, we give them cues and, you know, every mom is at a different point or they have different points with their daughter in in terms of their relationship where they are in the relationship so we give them cues and we let them know you know it should be an ongoing conversation um you may think you know your daughter at this point wants to hear from her from her peers but she actually wants the information from you so we give them small cues in terms of how to start the conversation when to have those conversations and and if they don't know it's i I, to let them know like it's okay to say that you don't know and that's what we and the doctor is here for you can certainly turn to us to help guide you with those conversations or you've done a great job just bringing her here because you know that you're uncomfortable having those conversations and that's okay as well so and we let the patient know like you know that's we're here as a resource so if you ever have questions about anything you can you know call us or send us a, a message and we'll we'll get back to you and we'll answer your questions whatever they may be so because not every parent and not every mom is, is comfortable having those conversations and we recognize that. So we let them know that we're here for a resource to just help enforce the information that they, they want for their daughters. Thank you for doing that work because once again, it's it's needed. <laughs> it's needed. So in yeah. your work and the life experiences, um, what one thing you wish um, women, um, you know, whether it's adolescents or adult women, um, knew about their sexual health or were more in touch with? 
Uh, I would think that it would be everybody's sexual health or how sexual path is different. So, you know, what you choose for your body, um, it may be different than what your girlfriend's choosing and that, and that's okay. So, you know, you may want to be on birth control versus your girlfriend who wants to have an IUD. That's okay. You may, um, you may figure that, uh, you want to use menstrual products that are more, you know, greener or natural, and we can teach you how to do that, and, and that's perfectly okay. So we try to let them know that there's no, the normal is what kind of what you define it, how you define it. So it's your version of normal and what's best for your lifestyle and what's going on in your life at that point in time, and that's okay. And we just try to help guide you through that those periods and what we're here for and to provide you with those resources. Yeah, for sure. And I also think to um, having a professional that they're comfortable with, because I think sometimes we don't spend a lot of time sitting with finding the right professional yeah. for us, someone who is, whether it's LGBT, um, LGBTQ affirming or, you know, I don't know if some people go based on religious affiliations, yeah. but finding a provider that yeah. is really in tune with, with your own values and you can speak to comfortably about your lifestyle, because I think it's important for them to know hey, I yeah. might be non-monogamous or I might be, I, um, in, you know, in a different type of relationship that, that might affect my, my sexual health. And I think why, you know, in my, the time that I spent in working with these, these teens and young adults, I think what was so great and why they liked us so much is that, you know, it was myself and my medical assistant and our physicians, we all were black women and we were primarily serving black women. So, you know, they they felt... I think comfortable with us and felt like they had found a community where they could ask questions and get resources without being judged. So for that, I'm like forever grateful. And I just love that about the work we did. I love that. And it wasn't until um, it was, I think, like three years ago, I decided, you know what, I'm seeing women, (laughs) women of color for all of my medical needs. So my whole medical team, from my birth doctor, my therapist, my um, optometrist, everyone, like... (laughs) Yeah. to be women yeah and yeah i just felt more comfortable i felt more open um and i think I, it has really changed the way my dentist it really has changed the way i i approach my own um health yes yeah okay so any fun vagina facts fun vagina facts so they come in different shapes and sizes um I hopefully I'm saying this right off the top of my head. So um, African-American or black women, their vaginas are more pumpkin shaped, whereas I, th- I want to say it's like Hispanic women, their vaginas are shorter at the front, longer in the back. Um, what else can I say about vagina facts? Um, vaginal discharge is normal as we started the, the podcast. I will let you know most, most vaginal discharge is normal. Um, it's It'll depend. your frequency and the, the thickness uh, will depend on a lot of factors like birth control or medications you're taking or where you are in your, your cycle. Um, but most of the time it's normal. It should be um, non-odor, uh, non-odorous and um, if it doesn't have a color, so if it's not green or yellow or some crazy color, then it's, generally it's considered normal. 
And if you do have any of those issues where it's, you know, it's a different smell than you're used to or, you know, it's a different color than you're used to, definitely follow the primary or just a provider so that you can get further assessment and evaluation for um, infections or STIs. And that's definitely something I wish I knew earlier on. Because when I'm ovulating, I don't know if my body just goes into, well, obviously a lot is going on internally. But I used to wonder about that. Like, oh my God, there's this thing. You know, why am I having this? Yeah. You know, and not until I was actively trying to have a baby. I was like, yeah, that's a good sign. That's what I need to know. Yeah, so I can, it, right. Yeah. So I can jump, yeah. jump into the sack. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but that's really helpful. Um, and the, the vagina shapes, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, <laughs> how yeah, do you know that? Neither did I. <laughs> wouldn't. You actually wouldn't, you know. Um, until you do research like I did. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Let me find out more. So I'm most, I guess, I mean, they do, there's studies for everything. So they were yeah. studies yeah. that, that, that. And, I mean, that could have a lot of impact on, you know, why certain positions may hurt while with sexual activities or something of the sort so that it makes complete sense we're not all the same right so would your vaginas all be the same and i'm wondering too if if i don't know because i mean i suddenly haven't penetrated myself but for men can they can they i wonder if they could tell the difference between a pumpkin versus a short or longer i know that was, that's a very yes. I, I never thought of it from that perspective. I'll have to I'll have to do some research and find out. Right. They have to be well, um, very diverse men who have tried everything. Right. <laughs> sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, what are some of your top products? So, I know there's so many products out there, and I know you're a huge advocate for the menstrual menstrual cup. Um, yes. What are some of your favorites? I, I do. Yeah, I do love me some menstrual cups. So the Flex Flex Cup is a, one of the types that I use. The Flex Menstrual Disc is also another type. Um, and it also provides a menstrual cup that I really like. I also like um, period panties. I love, I have a couple of, uh, Dear Kate's is the brand. Yeah, Dear Kate is the brand. I have a couple different, um, I have a collection of theirs that I love. And I usually use them in conjunction with like my, my menstrual cup as well. Um, I don't tend to use a lot of, like a variety of products per se, but I do like Honeypot's collection. They have a, a vaginal uh, foam wash. I think it's like a, I use the sensitive that I that I do like. I enjoyed that one, and they also have. I don't know if they still have it. They have. Um, it's a lube, and at the one time that I looked at back a few weeks ago, they didn't have any in stock. But they have a like a natural lube that's amazing. So big fan of that as well. Yeah. I started using uh, flex cups. That was my first introduction to menstrual cups. But once I gave birth to my second baby, I don't know what changed. It just wouldn't sit right. It just wouldn't. Um, And it just got uncomfortable. So I went back to my um, overnights. (laughs) That's where where I'm at right now. That's where I reside. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if it's that, like, depending on the size. Because, you know, the menstrual cups come in different sizes. So maybe, I don't know what size you had before. So you might, if it's a smaller size, you may just need a bigger size one. Or if it's a bigger size one, you might need a smaller size or vice versa, you know? Yeah. I'll have to look into it because I haven't tried the, um, like the other actual cups and I actually like it. I like the idea of wearing it, going all day without having to worry about, the only thing is taking it out. So I had to make sure I was home in the shower to, to (laughs) To empty. 
Yeah. 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 So. yeah. I've been using it for over a year. I actually had an incident at work. I I, I don't know. I think I had, I wanted to change it or it wasn't comfortable and then it it was just a mess. So, you know what? (laughs) That's embarrassing to be a 30 something year old woman having those accidents. That's how I felt. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, there is a learning curve with them, but once you, I mean, of course, once you get them, you figure out your rhythm. And I I mean, I haven't used anything since. So. And I haven't used. Go ahead, sorry. I'm a. I'm just saying that I'm a. I'm a complete convert for the most. Yeah, for the most for the past year. Nice, nice. And I think a lot of women are on the fence with trying it. Some people I have heard like raving reviews, but others are concerned maybe because they have heavier periods if it's gonna work. Leak. Um, yeah, and that's I. I've heard that, and I, you know, it's just like a birth control. Like you have to try different brands. Different brands work different differently with everybody's body. And I always encourage women, especially during the first time, is to like um, use your cup in addition to something. So I use my cup in addition to my period panties, so that if something does happen, I have extra backup. So that seems to work. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I haven't used period panties though, but I used um, after my baby. I used the um, what's it? It's a leak-proof type of panties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it works yeah. the same way, but I use them during my period yeah. just for extra protection. Yeah, that's exactly what I. That's exactly what I use. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I haven't used um, the Honeypot foam. I still use the Vagisil um, pH balance. That's the staple mm-hmm. in my bathroom because um, I know a lot of things who throw off your pH, and I just always like to mm-hmm. be on top of that. Um, is that something you you recommend or? I recommend, I've never used any of the vegetable projects. So the thing about whatever works for you, you can continue to use it is always what I encourage people to do. So if you've been using this product forever, you haven't had any issues with it, then you continue to use it. Yeah. But if you find that, you know, you try something different or you, it's something starts to just be off, then you may want to think about switching to something else or going, you know, obviously presenting to your provider for checkup it could just be just like a yeast infection or bacterial vaginosis getting that diagnosis and then trying something a little milder so i'm not opposed to i always tell women like if something works for you then continue to use it there's no issues with you're not having any issues continue to use it sounds good also i you didn't mention any lube so i know for women oftentimes you know starting off for women who've not used any lube starting off with something they trust or something that's safe um is important so do you have any uh re- um recommendations or like specific lubes that you encourage the, yeah the honey pot one i really do like just because it's it's ph balanced mm-hmm. um and i can't remember it off the top of my head and it's um you can use it with condoms and you know some women like to use condoms in addition to whatever birth control so i do like that one there's another one um it's senri organics it's a it's an oil-based lube that one is also really good and keeps ph balanced but you can't use condoms with that that's really the, the uh, drawback with that one you can't use condoms with those so those are those are the two that i have in my home right now off the top of my head um that i really really like well thank you so much for sharing this has been a really good conversation <laughs> any uh career tips so if there was someone listening who wanted to pursue a career path similar to yours um, how would you guide them yeah. 
Ah, jeez. Well, don't take the long, winding road like I did. <laughs> um, I would certainly encourage you to, you know, if you want to do what I do, just, you know, I think the information is presented better with experience. So get your experience somewhere. So whether it be in a clinic like I did or working in um, a GYN office or labor and delivery, I think that the information is definitely needed. Um, you learn from your patients in terms of their experiences, and you can also provide the information to others who may be looking for the same thing. So your path is going to be your path regardless. Um, I think there are more people that like me that are needed just out here talking about vaginal sexual health in, in addition to um, sex education. So uh, please join me on this path. <laughs> um, so that you can provide that information to the upcoming generations since there's still a lot of misinformation and, and mistrust so yeah for sure well thank you so much i'm wondering where can our listeners connect with you online yeah definitely you can check me check out my blog thenursenote.com and you can find me on instagram uh facebook i'm on clubhouse no uh, under um, the nurse <laughs> yeah under the nurse yeah the nurse note so and i i'm open to questions um definitely send me a dm and i always do my best to respond if i don't know the answer i always try to connect you to someone who does so thank you so much well Jano, it's been a pleasure i'm so glad we we're able to do this uh thank you so much for taking time out to just share you know share your knowledge your wisdom your work um how this um I think thank you many- thank you so much for yeah thank you for having me i think what you're doing is absolutely awesome and it is definitely needed so thank you for having me thank you So to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us this week on Her Sexual Space. For more information on this week's topic, be sure to check out our Instagram where I will showcase our host. And if you have any questions, you can add her in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe to catch every new episode. And don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Once again, check us out on Instagram at Her Sexual Space Podcast or our website. Sexual space. Thank you.